0: We've been instilled with tactics and training for battling enemies overseas, but we are not taught how to battle the ones within. When the combat zone becomes your comfort zone, what becomes of the home front? I'm Tom.
1: And I'm Jen. Together, we're tackling tough topics to conquer whatever challenge you're facing, from your soft unit to your family unit, with our amazing lineup of guests, including special operators, field experts.
0: And so much more. This isn't your typical cool guy podcast. Welcome to All Secure. Who listens to mom and dad? No one. It always seems to be that coach has the right answers. That's why today we have Chris Hollander, coach extraordinaire. His humility won't like this, but we know it to be true. More than just a coach who loves the game, loves the people, and loves to teach, he is a coach who didn't make it about him and lifted up the teams he was assigned to that were lucky enough to get him. Leadership comes in many packages from many locations and many diverse fields. When a Division I coach speaks, people listen. Chris has elevated every team he has been assigned to from his time as an all-conference player to his pro time in Europe. Chris has always performed. When he decided to turn to coaching, he continued his path to improving all those he found himself with. Chris has coached at West Point, Evansville, Mississippi State, and the University of Missouri-Kansas City. Improving each team's stats and positions before joining Mizzou to do the same where in his first season, the team reached the NCAA tournament for the first time in seven years.
1: What makes a team grow so much with the addition of just one person? Coach Hollander will tell you that it's the people. Being all things to those you serve, work with, and interact with. We think it's Coach Chris who's the reason. Caring for those men and women so deeply that you take them on as your own and raise them up the best way that you can. What a great human being. You don't want to miss this one. He's got some great advice on how to grow both personally and professionally.
0: He's even taken all of that knowledge and turned it into a business where he helps coaches learn how to coach people. Let's see how he made all this happen. Let's dive right in. All right, Chris, glad to have you on today, or I'll just call you coach from here on out. That's why, You know, you go around <laughs> life. You know, coach. I, I, learned, I learned early in the military, you call your medic and, and your doctor's Doc. You call your leader's boss and anybody that coaches. Hey, coach, you know that's just the way it is, man. It's that's just you lose the first names, you start calling them by their title that they've earned, and, and kind of a it's it's really an honor. And, and in your case, I'll be up front. I'm not a big sports guy. I never had the time. I never had the upbringing, or whatever reason. I never sat down and oh, Super Bowl, I'm there. You know the championship game, oh, I'm there. How everybody got there, and who coaches them, and who the players are, and what positions they play. Was never my thing. And I started reading up on you. And just to be honest, to be honest, but to be frank about it, it seems like everywhere you've gone, that team has improved. What the hell are you doing? Because the people are the same, right? A lot of the players are the same. Some change in and out, but the core is the same, the coaches are the same. And here comes Chris. <laughs> Where you've been. I'm serious. Um, And also, we'll talk about your pro time in Germany, which I didn't know anything about, but that's cool. But I've watched and I've read, it's like, Chris was here, and then Chris was here, and this is the first time Mizzou was, you know, and I'm like, all right, let's talk about what Chris is doing.
2: Yeah, so that's very flattering, but, you know, I've been fortunate in my coaching career to work with some of the best coaches in the country, and I've had some of the most rewarding jobs in the country, honestly. They've all been extremely difficult. and A lot of times when you go into a new situation, you take over for multiple reasons, but you go in there and not everybody has been as lucky as I have to be part of such great teams and the leadership, starting with the head coaches that I've worked for, just incredible men, incredible leaders, and incredible teachers. And so looking back, knowing what we all had tried to do, you know, coaching is really an interesting profession because you can be really, really, really good at your job And get fired (laughs) and there's there's very few jobs in the country that are plug and win jobs and so most jobs that you go into take an enormous amount of work an enormous amount of time and an enormous amount of teamwork i've been fortunate to be led by incredible men all all five head coaches that i worked for and work with incredible men on the teams on the assistant coaches and staffs that i've been on so Uh, I appreciate what you said, but for me, you know, just I've been a part of it, a small part of it. I affected the team the way that I needed to affect the team uh, and my role changed in every situation. But I for 21 years, I I got to coach at a high level and that and and I still consider myself a coach and I'm, I'm not done coaching or not done working with coaches. But I've been fortunate to work with really good people.
0: That's, that's what, a
1: good, yeah.
0: That's what every winner says. Yes, so that's what every so leader says. And exactly down the same line, you know, I've been fortunate to work with a couple of people that were great <laughs> and not me, but them. And I mean, literally every leader, every incredible human being gives credit to others. And you know what? Maybe that's what makes people incredible and humble. But you can't deny the fact that when you go to these places and that same people, you know things start to step up is it the human connection what is it that chris does what is your approach to humans or to your job and is it humans or is it the mechanics is it you know you're the offensive corner you come in with all these plays and stuff is it the plays is is it the humans is it the people and how you raise them what is what is the secret with that
2: you know i got into coaching because my college coach coached me really really hard and he taught me every single day and my high school coach had a relationship with me and he taught me really hard every day and coached me really hard every day and that that is what really attracted me to coaching because those guys got so much out of me and i had so much respect for them that i felt like it was my my calling to to kind of do the same thing for the next you know that's what i wanted to do and when i talked to my college coach about coaching you know he said hey like you got to be a really really tough to coach And he goes, you know, you can do it, and I think you'd be really good at it, but you have to be really, really tough to coach. And it's relative to, you know, other professions. Obviously, the toughness part of it is relative to other professions. But for me, it's all relationship-based, 100% relationship-based. One of the things that I, I take the most joy in in life, it's the most important thing to me, is helping other people. I love helping guys get jobs. I love talking, you know, Every time I go out and, and talk to a coach or talk to a team, my whole purpose is to help them and to help them grow. And just, you know, the relationship piece for me is absolutely the most important thing in coaching. And that's why for so long uh, I, I stayed with it. You know, it, it is my passion. It, the relationships, picking up the phone and talking with guys. You know, for example, there's one of the guys I coach at West Point. His son is a junior in high school now. And he called me two weeks, three weeks ago, and we were talking about his son and he just said, Hey, will you talk to my son? Will you talk to him about cause he wants to he wants to play college basketball? He's going through it and he wants to know, you know, what to expect and he thinks it's this way. And my our former player says he has no idea. Will you talk to him because he doesn't listen to dad?
0: Oh my God, what is that? <laughs> listen you know, if, it, if it weren't for coaches, <laughs> yeah, this I world know. would be shit because dads don't know anything, man. I tell you what. Yeah,
2: right. Right. <laughs> and I knew him when he was born. That's wow, the crazy that's so part. Cool. I, I was there when he was born, and now he's 16 <laughs> years old, and he's getting ready to move on to college. And so I've had the ability to affect his father, and now I'm having the ability to affect his son in a positive way. And so to, that's it for me. You know, that, that's, that's what it's all about for me. That's and so, they know that's that, beautiful. I bet,
1: when you show up and the team improves, you're saying part of that improvement is coming from the human connection. What are you telling these young men when you show up? How are you showing up relationship-wise
0: for them? Like, are you the coach that comes in and leads with love? Are you the coach that comes in and screams at everybody, get down, Bobby? No, I'm <laughs> going to say Bobby Knight. And Bobby <laughs> Knight had a lot of love, too, but he threw chairs, too. So you got love and you got love and fear, right? You lead with love, and you could lead with fear and scream and tell and bark and honk. Or, you know, there's or two. Both? Or both? Or both. A mix of both, obviously, yeah.
2: I think, I think, and and you guys have been around in leadership in any type of way, no matter if you're leading in a business setting, you're leading in the, in a military setting. I think you can feel a genuineness in the leadership, no matter what it is. And when that relationship is real, I think people allow you to coach them or lead them in any way that you want, because they know your heart and your, and your, your purpose is for them, not for, not for themselves. And, and people can see genuineness and people can see phoniness and, being present is essential, you know, whether it's, you know, you're in there five minutes after practice shooting free throws with a guy that, you know, just had a hard time in in class, you know, may have a family issue at home and you, you just kind of check you run over to the dorm and check on them. You know, I, I think there's a thousand examples of just personal ways to show that you care about people. And honestly, like the thing that I really, it really affects is you have the ability to do that with your team. And then you have to have the ability to do that in your home. And you have to 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 do that with your family, to Jen's point, the art of showing up, right? Do you show up every day? Do they know that you care? How do you show them that you care? It can't be a phony care because I think young people can pick up on that in in my line of work. You know, young people pick up on that. And I would assume and and I've been around the military a little a, a lot because seven years I was at West Point and leadership is leadership no matter what area it is. Right. And so, I, I just think having a genuine concern and care for for people will allow them to, for will allow you to coach them anyway because they know you care.
0: Oh, that's awesome. How so? Coming up is Chris. As much as you want to talk about how was your childhood coming up, was it the loving family? The dad was a coach. The dad was into sports, kind of push you that way, or were you, you know, how did you get into that? And what was that
2: like? I had a very loving family. My mom and dad they were divorced, but I I had an incredible love from both my father and my mother growing up. My mother remarried my stepdad, who was a kind of a a quiet guy. You know, when I was in seventh grade, he he would bring medical journals to the games and read because he really wasn't into sports. But by the time I was a senior, he was deeply involved in (laughs) senior high school, he was like into the game. So he kind of, you know, we kind of affected his life uh, that way. But I mean, I was fortunate to have a great home, even though my parents we're not meant to be married. Both of them loved me dearly. I had a great relationship with both of them. I spent time with both of them, me and my sisters. Lived in a small town in central Illinois, Mattoon, Illinois, one of the greatest places to grow up in the world, and um played sports. And I was one of the few, I was lucky because I grew up in a generation where my mom and dad didn't get in the way of coaching. So the, the coaches that I did have, all the way. I, I mean, every everything I can remember from my seventh grade year all the way through college and even into a little bit into the in, into the pros or the whatever I played in, whatever you want to call it. Every coach along the way, there was somebody that affected me in, in a positive way. Right. Someone that has affected me that has maybe changed the way I parent, maybe how I am as a husband, how I am as a father, how I am as a brother, a son. And. I'm again I'm very fortunate to have a, a lot of people around me that were very interested in my success.
0: I think it's key, just by what we do, to point out that you spoke about your parents and they couldn't live together. That's their business. That's their lives. Now they have kids, right? Now that's all your lives. But they kept it loving. You know, they they divorced as a relationship, but the family was still a family and they felt in love. It could be done, right? Yeah. And that's absolutely. on a conscious effort by the parents. I tell a lot of people, I want to stay married, but I can't, you know, this and that. I go, then then get some counseling so you can learn how to co-parent together. If she's the problem or you're the problem or whatever the problem is, still work through that for the kids. Still work through yeah. that for the kids. Because it doesn't mean the end of a childhood, you know. It, it, right. You can look at it a thousand different ways, you know. Uh, my parents didn't split up. Uh, your parents didn't split up. Many have. And I thought mine did growing up. I literally, until I was an adult, thought mine had split up. And it was just a misunderstanding my whole life that it kind of affected me a little bit because I allowed it. But— it could be done based by the love of the parents, you know, and, and showing the kids that we're adults. Our relationship's different than the family, familial relationship, but we still love and care for you.
1: Yeah, you could define however you want family to look for yeah. sure. And I, I think, even to an extent, coaches' family. And I mean, when you look at how much time these young men are spending with you every single day and how much time they're spending with their mom and dad, they're spending more time with you.
0: Coach gets them more. Always. Yeah, coach.
1: Yeah, you know. When, when they're home, they're
0: in their bedrooms hiding out and watching whatever doing they do. you know, whatever with friends. it may be. Yeah.
1: Or friends. So you truly are raising up young men. Um, Generations. Yeah, like you said. That's so cool.
2: So I'll, I'll never forget when, when we were at West Point. And obviously West Point is, is prides itself on being a premier leadership institute in the country. And it's a beautiful place and a wonderful place and so many great memories. But I can remember... One of the first times I was there, I was a young guy, 25 years old. The superintendent of the academy would address the athletic department. And his whole speech was about how important our relationships and our leaderships were for the student-athletes, the cadets at West Point, because we spent more time with them than any TAC officer, professor, you know, superintendent, dean of school. The coaches were around those guys more hours in the day than anybody and then it really came to a head for me and i really understood it the importance of there were two things that happened when i was at west point to explain the importance to me about how important coaching is for young people in in my line of work that i'm I'm speaking for what i know is that we had our end of the year banquet at west point and young man stood up and said, in front of the superintendent, who's a three-star general, and the dean of uh, students, who's a one-star general, and the commandant, who's a one-star general. So all, all these general officers were at this banquet, and he stood up, he had played for us for just two years, and he said, with all due respect, sir, I learned more about leadership from Jim Cruz and his staff than all the officers here at West Point combined. How'd that go over? And The <laughs> superintendent stood up and applauded. All oh, good. That's amazing. Yes. Good. Rightfully so. And I, that was, I was like, that's pretty powerful. And then the other thing, the other one I remember, and I've read this email to coaching clinics and opportunities where I've had to speak to coaches. One of our former players was talking about getting ready to go from Kuwait into Iraq. Mm. And he talked about, all the stuff that coach talked about, dealing with details, dealing with responsibility, dealing with adversity in regards to basketball, but how he's going to relate it to his leadership as a company commander. Like, you don't realize how much of an impact you're you're making on these young people as a coach, until you hear something that is truly life and death. Yeah, right. And, th- and they're drawing from the experiences that you t- I'm sure they're drawing from other experiences as well. But you're talking about pages of emails just explain how important the leadership was that came from our staff and our head coach, and he's taking those into war, yeah. that, those two things to me were were really powerful lessons for me as far as the impact that a coach can have on a young person. And
1: That's I'm it. sure you felt that everywhere, though, yeah. not just at West Point, but someone who maybe you know, you're coaching who didn't have a good upbringing or maybe doesn't have a father or whatever the situation may be, that you're stepping into that role. It's a big role in somebody's life. And to have someone who is taking that responsibility as seriously as you are um, and with as much weight as you have is creating better humans. But
0: there's a key detail, though. I don't know how many coaches are on this planet. Chris might know. A lot of coaches on (laughs) this planet. A lot of coaches. Verified, validated, whatever coaches, and then the others that aren't. But that doesn't mean all those coaches are doing well or doing good things, right? It's how you present, how you listen, how you connect that makes you that coach that people take your lessons to war. Yeah. Right? Instead of sitting in a class and learning how to shoot somebody in the face or at a distance or how to sneak around a building and read a map, you're giving them life lessons that they get to build up and develop into muscle memory on the court. You're screaming at them. They're under stress. They're practicing. They're doing it against another team. And now they got to go to war. And they're taking those tools to war, not the w- tools from the, the books and shit, because that's crap. That's what we, you know, and that's, I don't know what that is, but they teach it anyway to fill time. But <laughs> that's, a, that's a a telling thing to hear that, you know, to have people that are, I'm the leader, but no one follows you. You're the leader by, you know, because that's what your rank is, but no one follows you. Oh, but coach, you know, whether you're a leader or not, you you are the designated leader. You are the one they listen to and they care about. And those are the lessons they remember in combat.
2: Yeah. And again, like there's so many things that you can draw parallels from, you know, we always talked about just doing the next right thing mm. because you're, a hu- you're, you're a human being. Right. And so you're going to make mistakes every day as, as a dad. Yeah. Right. I mean, I, I'm raising two little girls. I, I know that the mistakes are coming. Right. <laughs> I know the mistakes are coming, even though I grew up with two sisters and a mom and I've been around it my whole life. I know there's mistakes that are coming, but I, I I'm going to have to try to figure out how to, just keep doing the next right thing. It's like in basketball and, – and the correlation in basketball is if I turn the basketball over, if I throw it to the other team and the ball's coming back down the floor, well, they haven't scored yet, so I have to go do the next right thing and try to stop them from scoring. If I just, just to put my head down and throw my hands up in the air, well, they're going to go score. And so we're, we're – you know, we, we were always constantly talking about, hey, just do the next correct thing that's in front of you. You're going to make mistakes. They're going to be honest mistakes if you're a good person and just try to do the next right thing. And so I think that message is one of the things that's been like we, we've we really tried to push that home. You know, what's next?
0: That's a life lesson for everything Everybody. on the planet. Right. That's not a what's particular message. That's the message to every living thing on the planet. Yeah. What's the next? You're right going to screw up, man. You know, get over it, whatever. Suck it up. Get it. Whatever. The next right thing is the next is the message. Yeah. Right, move past it, move on, do the next right thing, quit looking back at it. Because if you could looking back at something, you can't change.
1: Well, you're, you're even going in nowhere. basketball, if you're sitting there waiting or contemplating the wrong decision too much, you've just you've just missed that's
0: it. A fast sport, man. It's yeah, exactly. Yeah, you over. stay on that it's end over. of the court, they'll come back to you. But that's after they <laughs> scored, they'll come back to you. You better run down there with them.
1: You know what? I have a curious about cuz i know you've had some hard players in your career that are hard to reach how have you reached hard players
2: some you can't mm. you're not you're not going to have 100% success rate that's the hardest lesson for me wow is like because you know you, there's some that you there's some that you just can't get to but i think for the most part it just goes back to consistent showing up
0: are you talking about the, these are good players you can't get to or these are players that aren't getting better or they're good players but I'm not reaching them
2: or both? I think it, I think it could be a little bit of anything. It could be, you know, maybe they've got some, some things that they really struggle with off, off the field or off the floor. You know, maybe it's they're not grasping conceptually. Maybe they're not, you know, they're not willing to do the work. If you battle some laziness or whatever it is, the majority of the time Again, it goes back to being genuinely interested and connected the majority of the time, uh, with time and maturity, you'll be able to have a relationship with most guys. There's, it's, there's not a hundred percent. I, I bet if you ask any coach or any leader in any area, there's not a hundred percent success rate of uh, building relationships with all the people that they've encountered. But I would say more times than not, there's, there's a way to, to show them that you care and. You know a lot of times in situations that you're in because people try to use people in athletics a little bit and they always want something from somebody to there's a trust issue and a barrier that you have to break once young people in my experience realize that all you want for them is for them to be successful and for them to have opportunities and for them to be to win then the relationship usually becomes pretty strong sometimes it takes Months, sometimes it takes years, yeah. you know, sometimes it happens when they're gone and it's five years down the road and you get a call and they're like, Coach, I just want to say thank you for, <laughs> and you never thought that they ever listened to your heard you or felt you or anything. And all of a sudden I, I just got a call the other day, Coach, this, I mean, this kid played for us. Oh man, probably when I'm about 10 years ago, I guess. I don't know. And he's just like, I, I really, really appreciate. The way that you coach me and and i would imagine he's probably you know feel because he's coaching so he's probably yeah, like yeah. Oh, <laughs> my God. I, was, I got
0: oh, i got kids I, of my I, own now i understand yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: And, and sometimes it takes that yeah and, and again that's why you do it right that's why you coach that's why you lead that's why you you, you know that's why you're in it and that's that's my purpose
0: I used to try to break it down. If somebody doesn't do what you want them to do, or they're not doing it correctly or whatever it is, I used to try to break it down. They either didn't know to do it, they didn't know how to do it, or you don't want to do it, right? And that would give me three like starting points as to where are we at, man? I mean, cause I would freak out. I would lose my mind because and our job is like, if it doesn't get done, something horrible is going to happen. Sure. And so I would try to break it down. Like, did you not know to do it because you didn't do it, you know, or did you not know how or want to, and then try to break it down that way. And it's, it's just reading humans, like you said. I mean, if you can't reach the human, you're not going to teach them much. You're not going to grow them.
1: And authentically reach. I think that yeah, was the big thing that you said is that you authentically are showing up and caring. It's not this fake, I want something out of you, so I'm going to show up for you because it's reciprocal. Yeah. It's really you're showing up unconditionally.
0: Our I'm team here for needs you to win, so you need to be good at basketball. It's like, nah, that doesn't
2: work much. you know? That, no,
1: it's, it's like I care about you as a human being and you play basketball.
2: So I got asked a question the other day. I was at a school and the head coach asked me, said, what do you see in teams that are winning right now and having success and being competitive as opposed to teams that are struggling? And the teams that I've seen right now that have had success that I've been around and are doing good are the teams that are, have a, a tremendous amount of maturity. Mm-hmm. To me, what maturity is, is every decision I make is probably going to be in the best interest of everyone not just myself. Yeah. And immaturity is, is the opposite when all the decisions you make are based on what's best for you. And so I was at a practice with a team, a, a really good team, it's playing really well. And I watched their team interact. I watched them. And the coach never had to coach anything that wasn't basketball related. He didn't have to say, hey, get take your earring out or hey, tie your shoe, or, tuck your shirt in or hey, you got to run harder or play harder or you got to talk it was always technique-based. And when you can get that kind of maturity in your team, you will always have a chance to win. And I would assume, like, if you have a mature group of, you know, if you have a, a mature platoon, those guys are all making decisions based on what's best for the team, right? You're prepared, you go, you do what's best for the team. And then when guys make decisions that's not based on what you prepared for or not what's best for the team, it never, it never works. No matter how talented they are, it doesn't work. Yeah. And then to, to piggyback off that, you have a mature group. And then when the mature group understands the A, I call it the A and the E, right? How do I affect winning? A, affect, so I can feel the effects of winning, right? Yeah. I like that. Perfect example are the two kids at Kansas that played at Kansas last year, Ochai Baji and Christian Brown. Know those kids, been around them since they were in high school. They go to Kansas, their junior year, they, they're good, they're not great. And then the next year they go and win national championship in basketball. Well, guess what happened to those two guys? They get drafted in the first round, one's a lottery pick, the next one's price sh- is right close to being a lottery pick, and now their lives are shot on course in a totally different direction because They affected winning with their team. They played hard. They did things for the team. They did exactly what the coach wanted. They grew. They played together. It was about the team. Now, they're national champions. Wow. They go down in lore in Kansas. And then now they're both our first-round guaranteed contract NBA guys. And if you look back at them coming out of high school, they weren't highly rated guys. They weren't like these – they're really good players, and they got recruited. But now they're both first-round picks because they won. Wow, That's maturity, right? And that in coaching, to me, is the ultimate challenge. It's the ultimate goal is to affect winning in their lives so they can go on and, and feel the effects of the winning.
0: I That's love awesome. that. That's
1: awesome, yeah. It's like they they won as a team, and then they benefited individually as well you know and so that brought up a question for me there's always the me player or often a me player on a team we talked to Tony La Russa about it a bit ago about an unnamed player but how he caused a lot of <laughs> trouble in the clubhouse and then how destructive that gets to everyone and changes the mood and and he talked about another player had to come in and kind of correct him as a coach he you know he wasn't reaching him this other player kind of had to come in have you had a situation like that where you'll use other players to kind of help a me person or a me player?
2: It's a great question. And I think it's a, it's a question that every coach, you have to deal with it. If every kid was a self-starter and motivated, you wouldn't need coaches, right? <laughs> right. And you, just, you just put teams on the floor and they do everything together. Pick and, up, pick and up so, games. Yeah. Right. And, and they'd all be for each other and you know, it'd be, it'd be great. You know, they'd, they'd sub each other out and do all this stuff. and <laughs> But like, um, again, that's the ultimate question. And I think that's where I think sometimes it's uh I think it's case by case and individual by individual. There's different reasons why people act that way. Right. And a lot of times, once you peel back the onion and get deep into inside the, the, the human that you're coaching. A lot of times you just they just really want to they just really want some help. Yeah. They just really they don't understand how to be part of something bigger than them because they've never had to think like that for their, their lives, right? Right. And so that's not their fault. It's not their fault. I love you should be a ca-
0: You should be a counselor, man. You, <laughs> I co- love that. Throw this. coaching away and start counseling. This is the same well, shit. Uh,
1: well, it trans, I it mean, really, it
0: always is, right? Yes. If because you're a person that can talk to humans and connect, <laughs> care enough legitimately that they feel you care about them that they tell you shit they don't tell their parents. or they're even their closest friends, right? You have those relationships as a coach and you and they trust you to tell you that that means they fully intimately trust you. And that means they'll listen to you because of trust and you've reached them. You're now their father, right? You're now their parenting figure and they're now altering and changing and growing their lives because of you, right? That's counseling. That's coaching. We call it coaching because if we called it counseling over state lines, we'd get sued. So (laughs) we coach people Our uh, licensed clinical situations coach people so sure. that that term is is hand in hand with it's just
2: helping right
1: or showing the way right yeah
2: and i think for if you if you talk to coaches you can you'll ask them and then they'll tell you like a small percentage of their job at our level now i don't, I don't i've never been a high school coach so i don't want to speak on that but at the college level and a small percentage of our job is the sport that we're coaching
0: yeah you know how do you mold the human mold the human
2: (laughs) yeah you know because what our goal is is to be an extension of the parents take their young man and turn him into a man by the time he leaves and there's a lot that goes into that there's some head banging there's some hugging there's some crying there's a a bunch of laughing and a lot of really good memories and so like you wear many hats you wear you wear many hats you wear the you wear a, a parental hat, you wear a counseling hat, you wear a friend hat, you wear a, I don't know what the disciplinarian hat, you wear every hat. But again, you can't wear all those hats with guys if they don't see that you have a vested interest in the in, in them and their future. Right.
1: I love that that you also said that you peel back the onion a little bit and you find out that Typically hurt people hurt people. And so, you know, people that are hurting lash out, they behave poorly maybe, and really they just want to be seen and they don't know how to ask for help. Maybe they don't even know they need it at the time. It's just what they do or how they are. And they don't realize that life can be different for them. Have there been any success stories that you've seen of a player who's gone from that either that me player or that hurt player or chip on the shoulder player to somebody who's turned it around and and done something with their career or life not to put you on the spot but No, it's uh, putting um, you on the spot.
2: <laughs> I I, th- I think more times than not, honestly. I think there's something with each kid. I think mm-hmm. very rare. I think and I say kid respectfully. I think there's some something everywhere that I've been there's been something with most guys that is and again, it's not a a lot of times it's not a deep thing, but there's always something that you have to figure out with each player. Yeah. You know, you don't see a lot of troublemakers or bad human beings on the end of benches because coaches don't deal with that, that, you know? And so if you have a high performing guy that has got some things where, you know, he, he's a little bit, you know, needs some help in, you're going to have to deal with him a little bit differently than you deal with other players. That's leadership. And like, I've seen the guys that I work for and I've worked for the best I've worked for the absolute best guys, human beings, teachers, teachers, I've seen those guys handle guys like that in in great ways. And I, I'm not, I can't point to one specific situation because there's so many different things where guys go through the season and have an issue here, an issue there. But at the end of the day, they all the majority of these guys come out ready to go. Like our job is to create competitive and I coach men. So I'm going to say men that can go out and be functioning, high performing members of society.
3: Yeah.
2: And that's the goal. For the most part the majority of programs that i've been in and the majority of guys that have, have left almost all the guys that have left the programs that, that stayed where they were are that and I, i'm really proud of what we've done the work that we've done the type of men that we've helped mold the type of relationships that we all have with the guys that have, have been in the programs that i've been in uh, it, it's just it's very rewarding and it, it gives you great purpose and and hope
1: Purpose. Ooh, I love on that. Purpose.
0: Hey, everyone! If you like what you're hearing, please like, comment, and share.
1: And if you'd like to support our amazing warriors and their families, please donate at AllSecureFoundation.org.
0: Thanks for listening, everyone. Did you have uh, military in your family growing up, or any thought of it, or how'd you? What'd you think then when you get picked up at West Point? What were you thinking, "Oh shit"? <laughs> and at, oh, shit or oh, yay. And then when you got there, <laughs> did what it you oh, thought shit, before, or, oh, <laughs> did that, was that dispelled or did you learn more or did you say, oh, this is exactly what I thought military looked like? Or it's what I thought the, well, West Point's a different cat for sure. It's college military officers. So you get a different slice, but, you know, did that uh, preconceived idea pan out or was it changed for you? And what'd you think when you got picked up for that? And how did you get picked up for that?
2: To the first question. So my, my only relationship with the military that I had is. My my grandfather was a tail gunner in a B-25 in World War II.
3: Mm.
2: My my grandmother's brother was one of I, I don't I don't think it was Auschwitz, but it was one of the concentration camps. He was one of the first soldiers on site to liberate one of the concentration camps. So my, mm. my relationship with the military, I'm from central Illinois. So there's not a real strong military presence like there would be in Texas or Fort Sill, Oklahoma, or yeah. you know, down North Carolina at Bragg or whatever. But that was my only relationship with the I saw pictures of my my grandfather flying over the Aleutian Islands and as a tail wow. gunner and stuff like that. And you know, when he, if you asked him, he'd say, "I'd say, hey, Grandpa, you know, did you shoot anybody down?" He, oh no, no, we never. They were very humble and very we quiet. Ne- we never didn't did that.
1: Yeah, he just didn't want to talk about it.
2: <laughs> yeah. And so my college coach got the West Point job, and I went over to his house. I was just getting done playing basketball after college, and I was in a kind of a tough situation and kind of influx and didn't know what I was substitute teaching at the time and had just gotten done. And I just, I went to his house and I said, Hey, I want to go with you. And he said, let me think about it. And he called me up. He said, Hey, I want you out here, April, whatever it is. And your first day is this, if you want to come, he goes, I'm not gonna be able to pay you any money. And I said, Oh, no problem. I'll be there. So I, I literally had, a, I had a blue Ford Taurus four door and I put my, my chest of drawers, my, whatever you call it. Yeah. Yeah, my my dresser in my backseat, me and my mom were (laughs) shoving it in my backseat of my Taurus. I had some clothes in the back and I just went to New York. I had no idea what I was getting into. I didn't know anything about West Point. Honestly, like I'd never heard of West Point.
0: Oh my God. Yeah. And
2: and if I, and if I did, it would maybe have been through, you know, through school and history or whatever, but it wasn't something that resonated with me. And I don't know if, I don't know if any of my classmates went to West Point. I don't know. uh, From high school.
0: You would know. You you would know if they would. They would tell you. They'd tell you. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, here we go. I'm not getting We're in that. so much trouble had, in I the comments. I had to do it. No, I'm not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> it was the most impactful seven years for me because we were there at the beginning of the Gulf War. Like mm-hmm. 9-11 was 2001. I showed up in April
0: 2002. Wow.
2: wow. And so... You know, it it changed the whole landscape of everything that was going on in our country, everything that was going on with our military, the amount of deployments that were happening. And it really resonated with me when two things like it started with recruiting. And when we go out recruiting, you know, we never talked about that. Every other place I've been, you have to talk about, Okay, you're recruiting against other schools, you're recruiting against other teams. But there, the number one question is like, is my son going to war? Mm. Will my son go to war? And you have to be completely honest with them Maybe. in that reality. Maybe, Pro- yeah, probably, wow. <laughs> probably. And at that, and at that time, <laughs> the majority of guys that we coached and graduated, the majority of them were deployed a couple times, right? So you know, you have to you have to have honest conversations. With, you have to talk about all the wonderful things that come with being a, a West Point graduate. You know, all the things that come with it. But you have to t- talk about all the things that you don't want to talk about. So when you when you're sitting there and someone's home and you're talking to a mom and a dad, and you tell them all these great things. They're like, oh, that's great. But what about this? Yeah. And then, you know, when we 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 lost one of our former one of our former players uh, in a helicopter accident while he was deployed. And then we had one that was in a in an accident where he got hurt pretty good. You know, the, the those things kind of they, they resonate with you. Right. And so you understand the impact that you're, you're making, how important your impact is again, going back to what we talked about earlier with, with these, because they're going out and doing stuff. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, so it was uh, going from not understanding anything that I was getting into, not knowing anything about it to it being one of the most impactful part of my life. There's a reason that I was put there. There's a reason that I was my, I was asked to come and help coach there and um, it it changed everything for me. Did he he
0: finally pay you? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah
0: did yeah. you live I mean, did you
1: live in your car did
0: he pay you at any point
2: <laughs> <laughs> well I, yeah so like when I the, army, get a, the army, army
0: will get away with what it can get away with The army will do anything it can
2: this is not the army this is uh no pay due mo- most college basketball coaches have to start their careers the way that i did so yeah. you know you pay your dues just like anything you go yeah. and you work your butt off for however many hours it is and you're not making anything but you're you're you know boom boom you're learning you're learning you're learning you're going to you know, it's like it's like owning a McDonald's. You know, when you own a McDonald's, you got to go to got to go to school for it, just because you have to yeah. know how to do every single thing in the organization before you become the head coach. And that's what West Point really, really prepared all the guys that I work with and all the guys that you know that were there. They all say the same thing: like it's it's an incredible launching pad because it makes you. There's so many more things there that you have to deal with than at a everybody says a normal uh, yeah. institution, but it's just. But the amount of leadership and good that comes out of there is incredible.
1: What made you want to follow that coach? You didn't know anything about West Point. It wasn't the job. You followed him.
2: That was my college coach. Your college so coach. So my, my college coach, yeah. And so, you know, he's one of the most well He was one of the most, he's retired since. He was actually, he actually ended up coaching at SLU and was National Coach of the Year. He took over wow. for coaching. He ended up coaching, taking over for Coach Majeris when Coach Majeris died, if you, whatever been almost 10 years ago probably and he ended up being national college coach of the year and but he's he's one of the, the great winners in college basketball history he was um coach cruz was the uh a senior on the 1976 indiana basketball team that went undefeated in college basketball last undefeated team ever in college basketball and um wow. he he won four big ten titles in four years as a player played for coach knight there was a connection wow. to West Point through coach knight and through coach Cruz. And so I just, he just asked me to come and I always knew I wanted to coach. And I just said, all right, I'll be there.
1: You didn't start with upper management. You didn't just to go straight <laughs> to out. top. I'm going to hold out
2: for upper management. <laughs> I'm going to
1: hold out for head coach. It's fine.
2: And I didn't have any idea what coaching was. I thought I did. I had like no idea. That's good. I had no idea, right? That's- I had no <laughs> idea. And, and again, you're not supposed to know when you're a player, what coaching, the amount of stuff that coaches do. You're not, you're not supposed to know what your, you know, your leaders are doing to make sure that you're good. General Williams, who just retired from West Point, he was one of our officer representatives. So when you traveled at West Point, you had uh, officers. He was a Fulberg colonel at the time. And um, he traveled with us. And we had a bunch of really, really good men that were, were around us. Dave Lyle, Chris Kingston, Colonel McGinn. I mean, there was a ton of guys. Jamie Uptegraff. Chris Dempsey. I mean, you can go right. Our uh, General Dempsey's son's a good yeah. friend of mine. And yeah. Jamie, you know, these guys are incredible leaders. Um, But Darrell Williams was—he had came come to West Point, uh, and he he had worked for, I believe, Clinton as his military advisor. So he carried the codes. To he carried the briefcases <laughs> for Clinton. The football. So we're on we're on a road <laughs> trip. We're at Lehigh, and all of a sudden we're at dinner, and one of our cadets, one of our players, drops his fork. On the ground. And before anybody can move, this Fullberg Colonel picks up his fork, goes to the back, comes back out, puts a new fork on the cadets, gave it to the cadet, and sat back down and ate. And I and I thought, man, and then Coach Cruz and I talk about it all the time, like what a great example of leadership taking care of his soldiers before he takes care of himself. Wow. And so those kind of lessons you learn again. I I, I haven't been I haven't experienced the military like you have. So I'm just telling you, from my perspective, those types of leadership examples really, they really affected me.
0: At every level, it's the same. A lot of leaders move up because of time. Sure. Here you are, an LT, second LT, you know, nope, captain, you know, because of time. And at some point you get to a position where, okay, now there's a lot of captains that want to make this major and a lot of majors that want to make LT, colonel, you know, and then they want to make colonel. So they bottlenecks on the way up. But a lot of people, same in the NCO ranks. Right? Time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you move up. And then you find yourself in a leadership position with no leadership abilities and no idea what to do, spe- especially in special operations. I went in very early into special operations, but I had also – I moved up quick in the regular army as a leader. I was a squad leader at least. And then so I had seven, ten men under me at one point before I went to special forces to where you're in charge of people now, you know, and and, and you should have leadership. And And at that age, it was, it was like, how do you get it? You know, it's something you – learn over time. So those leaders are picked out really quick, the ones that don't have those skills. And it's a rough life form, you know, um, to move up. But some just do it with time. And it's hard to determine, you know, who to follow when you have to follow somebody, mm-hmm. right? And your leader's horrible and you know it. So you learn as a human how to be a better human that way with a crappy leader as well. Absolutely. Right. How Absolutely. do I how do I operate around somebody who's, you know, a moron in your mind anyway and still do your job well, that's a tough That's a tough life to live. So when you're off playing family and father, coach and, and leader to all these people, what's happening with your family? How's your family life at home? Did that suffer with the work you're putting in over here?
2: I would assume it did. Thank God for my wife, because the amount of hours that you are away, the amount of hours that you spend helping people that are, you know, you're helping these, these individuals who aren't maybe your, your own children. You spend way more time with these people that are not even your own children. And you know how much you love your own children. You have to have a really, really tough and special person at home with you, a partner, a teammate. There's nothing more important than being a great teammate. And so I, I didn't realize it at the time, how much I wasn't seen or wasn't around or wasn't doing because you get locked into your job. It's yeah. your job to do this because there's a bottom line to your job. Again, you don't matter how good you are at your job, how how well you communicate, how well you build relationships, there's a bottom line to it at most levels now. And so I I would assume that there were some effects of me being away. I think that you know, you you don't realize it. And even when you come home, you're still there. Right. You're still <laughs> oh, you're still yeah. thinking about the loss. You're still thinking about how you can help. You know this guy do better at what he needs to get better at. You know you're watching film. You're up till three in the morning. You're up at six a.m. back to it. Blah blah blah, and you walk by your kids because you're not intentionally walking by your kids. You're just your mind somewhere else.
0: So you did serve in the military, <laughs>
1: <laughs> honestly.
0: I, I Well, we always say we it's try the same. to tell the military yeah. family, listen. All this isn't relegated to just the military, man. You know, post-traumatic stress, the stress, the life, things that happen. People die all over the world, too, you know. You give up your family to be good over here. You give up time over here to donate time over here. Something's given up over here, and typically that can be the family. And so unless you're making that – and here you are telling the exact same story as a basketball coach. Everybody else we talk to, it's the same story. If you work over here to be good, you're giving up something over here. There's no magic, right? There's only so many hours in the day. There's only so much attention. There's only so many energy molecules in your body before they evaporate, and you got to go lay down and and soak some more in. And then, like you said, when you're at home, guys all the time, when I'm deployed and I come home and the spouse like, he doesn't talk to me for two weeks. Well, he's still deployed in his head two weeks before he leaves. I'm trying to go out on a date. He's on vacation before he leaves, but he's he's already deployed mentally. He's already thinking about what he's got to do. So even when you're not doing your job, you're doing your job. And when you're doing that, you're not doing home life. And unless you have that balance, you know, so.
1: Well, like you said, you unintentionally walked past your children.
2: Unint- yeah. It's- yeah. It wasn't,
1: yeah. you're being mean.
2: <laughs> We're actually doing a project. I'm, I'm working with the National Association of Basketball Coaches on a project. And you guys will you guys will be able to relate to this really well because I know how impactful your work is with military families and spouses and husbands, but we're, we're actually working on a project myself and, um, another guy with the NABC on helping coaches transition from coaching into the, into different professions, yes. right? And one of the biggest, <laughs> the, the biggest thing is reintegrating yourself with your family understanding work hours, understanding home life, understanding communication skills with your spouse or your kids, and and that's going to be a big push for us because, again, whether you coach for five years or you coach for 20-some years, those years, it's, it's just a different time for you, especially when you're in season, especially when you're deployed, right? right? And And so that's a huge piece of what we're working on is the mental health part of it, of being able to, reestablish yourself emotionally, and to being able to communicate with your family. And like people say, Oh, well, it's just co-. no, it's, it doesn't matter what level. Sure. And so like, this is it's going to be a huge push for us. And we're making a real, real point of trying to help coaches that don't want to coach anymore, and then have to change gears. And, not, and it's not, it's not everybody. It's not everybody. Right. But you know how powerful hope is, right? You know how powerful hope is (laughs) and you know how destructive lack of hope is.
0: And so like,
2: we're trying to, we're trying to do that with coaches. We're trying to give them a roadmap to what it's like to be out, what it's like to change. All of a sudden you're switching gears from going 20 hour days to, to a a new profession where you're going to work just as hard, but now you have to come home and you have to be present in your home and you have to show up every day as a husband and a father. It's hard. I, I, I personally, and, Still battle it a little bit. It's still a change for me. Even though I chose to do it this year and, and, and currently, it's, there's things that I have to get better at.
1: I love that. You chose it. It's, yeah. not, you're, it's not like, well, this happened to me, but it doesn't make it any less easy or hard or, or whatever it no. is. You chose to retire out at the time you did, too. That transition's brutal. And again, not relegated just to military folks. You, you're working with people who have lost their tribe, their team. Their purpose, the the schedule, the routine, the constantly leaving, and I think there's that something thing they to might that. think that
0: that their their value is 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 attached to, you know, absolutely,
2: man. And so, and you yeah, know what, same guys guys need to talk to people, yeah, they need help. They you know, and the more I, this is the one thing that's been really interesting to me, and networking and communicating, connecting people is a real joy in my life. And the more I talk to people outside of what I've normally did as a coach, because you are in your own little bunker there yeah (laughs) you realize like i was talking to a guy the other day he's like yeah I, i i had a mental health professional for 10 years i was like what really he's like yeah uh my family was struggling i was struggling and i had to get some stuff off my chest and i needed somebody to talk to and once i started doing that it changed everything for us and so the the you know what we're trying to do with our program with the nabc and the NABC is the national association of basketball coaches for anybody that doesn't know what we're trying to do is we're trying to give people that platform. We're going to have professional uh, health professional, mental health professionals. We're going to have former coaches that have been through it, but, uh, but we want to give people a roadmap to let them know that, Hey, it's going to be just fine.
1: I love it. This is such an
0: awesome I program.
2: Love we're just starting it. And, it's necessary.
0: 100%. Do you think that you find that I think a lot of things that hold people up are comparison from getting help, from getting outside counsel, whatever you want it is? It's comparison. And and then they have judgment instead of curiosity, right? Like like I can see people, military people judging those, those civilians, and broad general, those damn civilian terms, right? Those civilians don't get it. Like, wait a minute, your wife's one, right? When you retire, you're one.
1: <laughs> your kids Do are Do you get
0: it now or did you get stupid? And it's it's that whole thing about I don't need help, I don't want to get help, or I'm afraid to ask for help because then I'm admitting I need some help, right? And that's holding everybody back from learning something that they've never been taught before. And they're holding themselves accountable for not knowing something that they've never been taught before. Whether it's mental health, whether it's how to communicate, coordinate, and then judging people by well, I need help, but you don't because you're this guy or you're that lady and I did this. That's judgment versus curiosity saying, how did you get better with your family? How are you getting better? What are you doing so maybe I can do it? And that's when that opens you up, you don't shut yourself down to receiving help, right? And that's that's most of what we deal with with people in this life of who want to be good at something or, or are good at something, players, coaches, or, you know, you're not horrible to be there, right? You have some skill. Right. You've dedicated a lot of time to get there. And transition is the hardest part because we don't feel like we deserve help or mine's not like yours, so I'm not even going to ask, you know, or I'm not as bad off as you are, so I'm not even going to ask. Or all that judgment versus curiosity of how did you heal or how are you healing because it's kind of a continuous thing. And that's what I find slows people down is the fact they don't feel they deserve it as much as need it, right? I don't deserve it. Give it to somebody else who, who needs it more than me.
1: Or it ain't that bad. And it doesn't need to get bad. Yeah, wait till I'm at
0: rock bottom. <laughs> and then come yet. get me, you know? I'm oh, like, why does everybody wait to rock bottom? You know, <laughs> it's it's yet. the hardest place to get out of.
2: <laughs> it sure is. And I'm I'm not a professional when it comes to things like that. And I would assume that all things that people want to get better at are relative to whatever situation they're in. But there are so many, the one thing that I do know is this. There are more people out there willing to help than people know. Yeah. And there are more people out there that really do care than people can even imagine. And that's like, it's, it's, it's it's a little bit overwhelming, because, like, sometimes like, okay, so for example, you get fired, right? Well, I don't what am I gonna do? I don't know. You have all these thoughts in your mind, all of a sudden, you're like, well, nobody gives a crap about me, because my phone's not ringing. Well, sometimes you have to be the one to initiate contact. And then you realize that there that there is a lot of people out there that are willing to dive into just, hey, what can I do? You're gonna have a you're gonna have some that are going to reach out. And that's, that's our goal. With this program that we've started is we want to be proactive, and we want to be impactful before they even get to those thoughts. And so when when times are changing, and things get stressful, and and things are coming up, we're going to reach out to these people. And we're going to let them know that, hey, we're here. Number one, here's a roadmap to whatever you wanna do next, and you have a platform and a group of people here that care. And so when when you get that phone call, we're hopeful to be a way for, to just to take the stress down in in the home just a little bit, just enough to where you can see clearly. But we are gonna be the ones that reach out and we're gonna be proactive on it because we want those people to know that we do care and that there are people that have gone through it. And there's a lot of people that have gone through it and there's also a lot of people that are there to help. That's
0: a great message. That's a good message because people that sit there and think nobody cares about me. Okay, pause. Does anybody know you're feeling bad, right? First, does anybody know how you feel? Yeah, people are busy If you don't tell people lives. that, how the hell do they know? And by the way, how many people do you know that feel horrible that you've reached out to? Just consider that for a moment and realize, oh, I'm isolating myself maybe. Yeah. And, and if I didn't isolate myself, yeah. I'd have more people reaching out. and And I did it. And everybody i talk to does it because yeah. we don't want to admit or or talk to anybody about oh we're weak or we're struggling versus the second you do all that weight goes away and you're so sharing cool. it with you're sharing it with someone else and you feel so much better and a lot of times it's just a phone call one time somebody likes me oh and they, they get up and they get moving again sometimes it's more than yeah, that sometimes the it's therapy but but it's there just like you're saying it's there all you have to do is ask or Be receptive to answering your phone and letting people reach in, you know? And that's the hard part. That's literally the hard part. We always say check on your strong friends. They're the ones that aren't going to ask for help. The ones that ask for help are easy, you know? (laughs) Let's get to work. That's a good point. The strong ones who are like, I'm good, I'm good. I'm like, all (laughs) right, I'll I'll keep texting you because they're (laughs) very scary because too many of my strong friends aren't good anymore. They don't have the ability to be. They were good up until they weren't. And so it's sad.
1: I I love this program, though. I want to— follow up with you in the next few weeks and hear how it's going and it's amazing i think that this is so tom and i talk about it all the time where we've heard from doesn't matter ceos professional athletes military i mean i think we're all more similar than we are different and i think that problems are problems whether whatever the source it may be and i think no matter who we talk to um what I'm hearing more and more in 23, it's about connection. It's about authenticity. It's about making sure you've got the right people in your life to influence you and and to help lift you up.
0: And Take I, an active role in it yourself, right? Take an active yeah. role in your own life yourself.
1: If and if you're pretty crappy, get up and initiate. I love that you said that sometimes you have to initiate.
2: I think it goes back to the relationships that you have with people and when people really feel like you are there to help them, they will give you more than you could ever imagine as far as what they have. The things always and, and that goes back to that genuine, that genuine trust, the authenticity of the relationship, when you show up and you want nothing other than to help. I feel like I think everybody needs that. I don't care if you're high, like all high functioning people that I know, rely on somebody else to bounce things off of, to talk to. I I think everybody needs really good coaching. I think everybody needs really good relationships, no matter what you're doing. That's
0: a good point. Name a person on the planet that doesn't have somebody they talk to and bounce ideas off of because they they just don't operate in a bubble. I mean, some do and they get slammed and they, okay, let me just bounce this idea off you next time. But it's always smart to do that anyway. It's always good to bounce it off other people and other people know more, you know?
1: I have a leadership question to Uh-oh. close us out because Uh-oh. I know you, we've had conversations on the side and you've told some pretty cool stories about some coaches that have positively influenced your life that, you know, they, they have taught you things in your own life about the kind of man that you are, the kind of leader that you are. Is there anybody that stands out to you um, or any particular story of someone who leaded you?
2: My college coach is really important to me because he 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 drug a lot out of me. I was an immature, spoiled kid, <laughs> and he reached inside of me and got what I really was supposed to be out of me as a, as a competitor. Oh. Challenged me every day, told me the truth every day, and, and I'll just talk about the guys that I've coached with specifically, the head coaches that I've coached with, each one to a man. You know, my assistant coach was Marty Simmons. So Jim Cruz was my college coach. He's one of the finest men, husband, leader, says what he means, means what he says, teacher. He brought it out of me. He's the one that, along with my high school coach, Steve Conlin, that really, really pushed me to be a coach. Marty Simmons was my assistant coach at Evansville when I was a player. He's now a head coach. He's the same for me, more of a big brother and uh, mm. kind of a – he was kind of my hero when when I was a player, because he was kind of the example of what competitiveness was and leadership was, and then he did that as a coach as well. Rick Ray and Kareem Richardson are both two guys that I worked for, and both of those guys, and to a man, great husbands, great fathers, and tremendous relationship-building guys. Our relationship was more friendship and colleague than it was mentor. They mentored me in their own way, but we were— I felt more peer oriented with those guys and we those guys in, in all kinds of ways were great leaders, great teachers. And then Konzo Martin, I, I don't know if there's a better leader of young people in the country than Konzo Martin. He understands relationships and mentorship and love and sacrifice and toughness. He embodies all those things as an incredible teacher and everybody like I don't know if there's one person that I know that's been around coach Martin that hasn't left impacted. Hmm. And so I've taken something from all of them and obviously coach Martin's the last guy that I worked for and in their, in their own way, they're all incredible Hmm. leaders incredible men. And I am a collection of all those things. Plus, you know, some other people that I really lean on and it's like my college coach said on on his uh, headstone at his gravesite, he wants construction complete, like that. Construction <laughs> complete, finally finished. <laughs> because every day, it's awesome, is a constant learning thing for us. But all those guys, to a man, are super important in my everyday life. They all taught me something about what I should be and how I should be, and uh, they're all tremendous leaders. So. Nice. You know, you can read books and you can, and there's tons of great leadership books and tons of great leaders out there. And you guys have all been around good and bad leaders, but the guys that you're around on a daily basis and that, that impact you are the ones that are the, the ones. And, and I'll tell you what, I've had some, some former players that have been really impactful in my life mm-hmm. as leaders too. Some that I have tremendous friendships with, some that have taught me a ton, assistant coaches that I've worked with. I, I mean, I can't, I'm super fortunate to, to, to be able to say that. There's very few guys that I've encountered that haven't been that have been really bad to be around. I've been fortunate.
1: Sounds like basketball was not anything you enjoyed or learned from <laughs> or just
0: know. a sport, man. <laughs> <laughs> There's no life lessons here.
2: That's awesome. <laughs> I mean, think about think about it like we met because of that. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I love
2: it. So everything. And another thing, and I'm rambling here a little bit. I I haven't never worked for anybody that I don't know. Like, there's a lot of guys in our business that go and take jobs, and and they don't know the head coach, so there's not really a relationship there. And I'm not saying that's good or bad, wow. but I've been, like, fortunate that I know my college coach, my college assistant coach, two of my best friends in the world, and I had a relationship with Consul Martin before I took the job with him, too. And so, like, that's unusual in our line of work as well. Wow. Man.
1: It all worked out for you. That could make it hard to be. you got all the answers. Being a, I don't
0: have a, a, I have zero answers. That's the <laughs> whole you're, point. You're better than all those people because you took a little bit of each <laughs> yeah. of them, and now that's all you. Yeah. All right, i said better <laughs> <than> anybody. <laughs> <laughs> so, I've thoroughly enjoyed this. Um, yeah, I have too. More, honestly, more takeaways than I even thought possible that are similar. You mashing. need a book. <laughs> yeah, you need a Here book for sure. It. Because I hope you're working on one.
2: Yeah. Are you? I am too. No, I'm. I'm actually, you know what I am doing? I am. I'm working with a, a group of guys who are really, really close to me. These two young guys started a company back in 2016, 15. They were 20-something years old, maybe 20, 21, wow. and they came to my office and they said, hey, we got this idea. We're doing this for football. Would you help us with the basketball part of it? It's an incredible technology. We do digital playbooks and all kinds of different stuff that affect winning for college basketball, football, lacrosse,
1: wow.
2: men's and women's basketball, of course. and 10 years ago, they were working with about 10 teams and they came to my office in Kansas City and they said, hey, we help us. And I said, sure. And so for the last eight years, quietly behind the scenes, as I was coaching, we've been working on developing this platform. And now we're working with 977 teams across the country, nice. including TCU football, just played for a national championship. Wow! And here's the name of the company. The company's called Just Play, but just a tremendous group of guys, a tremendous company that really affects winning. Again, my purpose is Kind of still being fulfilled by helping them. And, and I've been a part of the organization for a long, since the beginning, the last two national championships in basketball, Kansas and, and Baylor, we work with them uh, along with a ton of other really, really good teams, high school, all the way through the pros. And so that, that part of it, I've, I've had some real purpose still being able to, again, affect winning, help teams affect their winning uh, best we can and, and still stay connected to all the guys that I care about in the business.
0: That's awesome. That's
1: the point there, right? to stay yeah. connected. Don't isolate. Don't lose the purpose and the passion. And so you're staying in the
0: game. So just play. But where else can everybody... And we'll put... I'm going to put links in here. I'll grab yeah. those from you too. But Any where can links? people find you with what you're doing? Coaching, helping with coaching, just play. Where can people find you? And what are you doing so they can find you there?
2: Social media wise, it's just at Coach Hollander. I mean, I'm not a big... I don't have a ton of content. You're going to see a lot of pictures of my twins a lot of stuff about Love type it. one diabetes my son's type one and so we're we're very big advocates of that we're trying to push for a cure for type one you know i, I there's a, there's a lot of different things twitter's the same thing at coach hollander but again like i'm not i don't have a, a social media team i don't have anything yeah. like that i just don't do well. it anyway <laughs> just do it
0: yourself whenever you feel like
2: it don't get a team <laughs> i do a lot of work with just play we're doing obviously the thing. The, the project with the National Association of Basketball Coaches, which both of those things are really important for college basketball coaches and for programs. Uh, I'm really excited about having the opportunity to, to grab guys and, and help them in a tough time. Because again, man, we don't hope, hope is powerful. You guys yeah. know this, like hope is a powerful thing and we don't want them to lose any type of hope. And, and again, there have been some instances where it's life or death with some coaches, but like, we we want to make sure that they understand that there's people around to help them, and that that part of it. The NABC and I'll get make sure you get the information on that whenever we when we yeah. it's gonna it's Perfect. gonna launch in first couple of weeks in April because we're gonna have a session at the Final Four at the NABC convention. Oh
0: Ooh.
2: uh yeah, it's gonna be really cool. I'll make sure that the information gets out. But I've talked to I got a buddy who's a former lacrosse coach, and he's like, we need this for lacrosse coaches so bad, you know. So I would assume once this thing gets going football coaches and baseball coaches and lacrosse coaches, soccer coaches hopefully we can just combine it and make it a big platform for everybody with just different arms yeah. where we're just reaching out and making sure everybody's okay
0: it'll I grow love that. it'll grow and you'll be overwhelmed until somebody steals your idea and helps you out <laughs> and it takes half of who you're helping and then no. then you better
2: be that's, no, that's that's amazing cynical. no cynical, please. No cynical.
0: <laughs> it's amazing though i mean it's just what people need it's what People look for in every industry, yeah, man. Guidance. Sure. Coaching and throughout hope- life, right? Until until construction's complete.
1: I love it. Well, thank you for joining us. We won't keep you much longer. But I think we're gonna have to have you back because it was some great I love this chat. It was a lot of fun. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. It went way too fast.
1: Yeah, it really did.
0: Maybe I
2: should just drive to St. Louis and yes! do it
0: live next time. We can do that. Let's do that. We can do that.
1: We'll do that.
0: I'm I'm all in. Cool.
1: All right. Thank you for joining thanks, us. We and, appreciate uh,
0: your time, man. And all your good insights.
2: You guys are doing great stuff. You guys are doing awesome stuff. It's, it's, it's important.
0: Thank you. Thank you. It's all about humans. Yep. No That's doubt. Right. Amen.
2: Amen. All right.
0: Thanks for listening to All Secure. Community matters now more than ever. So if you liked what you heard, please share, review, and subscribe.
1: For assistance or to support our incredible warriors and their families, please visit us at allsecurefoundation.org. That's allsecurefoundation.org.
0: Tune in next week to All Secure, and thanks again for listening. See you all then. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode. For more content like this, or to begin your own podcasting journey, head on over to obsidian-productions.com.